0: Love Talk Radio. And around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Uh, It's been an exciting weekend for real estate news and other things, of course. The Super Bowl happened yesterday. And I have to say, while watching the Super Bowl, it's kind of interesting how, in the first play of the game, the quarterback for the Denver Broncos had a little bit of an episode in which he did not uh, do as he had promised to do, or as the play called for him to do. And as a result of that, I think he ruined his mojo for the entire game, and uh, that affected obviously the outcome because they lost really, really in a huge, epic way. And it got me thinking: How does that translate? Has that, uh, you know, how's the start of that game and that quarterback screwing up? How does that really translate to your real estate practices? And I was thinking a little bit about the fact that it's all too easy to have one little episode, one little incident happen at the start of our days and it really sets the course for kind of what could be a very bad day whereas if you were able to put that episode or that, you know, that bad incident behind you right away, you wouldn't have a bad day. and So that got me thinking again about some of the coaching lessons, some of the coaching experiences that Julie and I have been talking about with all of you great coaching clients. And Julie, as I was describing what happened at the start of the uh, Super Bowl, I know you weren't watching it with me, but I, as I was describing what happened, I'm sure you were thinking about some of your coaching students and some of the coaching that you've done to help them move away from a bad experience and start focusing on the opportunities that their day presents.
2: Absolutely, and it really shows up on a multitude of levels. The first thought that I had was having a pre-listing routine that you do and how not doing that can screw you up for the actual appointment. I also had the thought, one of the sections that I teach in, in coaching is called the 12 deadly sins of prospecting. And one of the deadly sins is allowing one call or one conversation to set the tone for the day Versus actually controlling how you want your day to go. So as I said, you know, there's lots of different ways that this manifests itself in real estate. But you know, there's a saying that you can't control the first negative thought you have, but you can control everything that happens after that. And I remind some of my uh, coaching clients, especially the ones that are just starting to get great at lead follow-up and great at, at prospecting and lead generation, that you know, if something weird happens on the phone, you too have the ability to hang up.
1: Well, it's so it's not just the other side. Let's go, go back ahead. to what you just said though. Staying sure. focused on what you said with regards to you can't control the first thought but you can control the thoughts that come after that. And that really was talking more in line with, you know, basically sometimes we have these random negative thoughts. It happens to everyone guys. You're not unique, you know, and that you have these kind of like, Normal. Well, where the heck did that where the heck did that crazy bad thought come from? You know, the mistake that people make and and this goes directly ties into basically, you know, the situation in the Super Bowl yesterday with the Broncos, right? So he had a bad thought, obviously. He maybe was overreacting to the crowd or the noise. I mean, who knows what happened, but it doesn't matter because that one little bad trip up caused, obviously, the whole game to be lost, essentially. He hurt his confidence and the confidence of all the team players around him. So, again, to Julie's point, you can't control the first thought. You can't control the first thought that pops into your head, making this relevant to your real estate practices. You can't control what happens when you pick up the phone. You can't control the emails you get. You can't control, you know, the communication you have with your potential buyers and sellers, your brokers, the other agents. There's so many people that you have to do uh, business with on a high level every single day. The probability of any of these people being in good spirits when you want to do business with them, let alone try to get a transaction done to about zero. So what you're going to have to learn how to do is you're going to have to learn how to isolate that particular experience or incident, that bad experience or, you know, that experience that may have otherwise thrown you off your game. Isolate it, put it in a box, forget about it, so you can keep your spirits up, keep your mindset positive, and you can continue to move your business forward. So, Julie, let's just make this, let's drill down on this. Let's say, for example... One of your coaching clients had a horrible week, right? They didn't do their homework. They didn't do their lead generation. They didn't set their appointments. They didn't take their listings. Just a horrible week for one of your coaching clients. And you kind of drill down with them, and you ask them why, and you kind of figure out that they had something happen. Let's say your call with them was on Friday, and let's say they had something happen on Monday Monday. So if you're going to go back in time and then they're going to figure out, well, there was a series of bad incidences that happened, you know, a closing went sideways, and this is all normal stuff, right? A closing went sideways, some seller fired them, mean, who knows? So now that the uh, agent, your client, realizes that, well, heck, I should have handled that differently, what specific steps and measures are you going to give them so they can start consciously and confidently taking control of their emotions and not allowing... Uh, to tie this together, their whole game to be thrown off?
2: It's a good question. And the first thing that I do is I ask them, looking back, what do they feel they would have or should have done differently? So I always like to turn it into what we lovingly call a coaching moment. What could they or should they have done differently? Because I find that when our coaching clients take a second and take a breath to talk it out and to look back and be introspective, That way we can put a period at the end of the sentence instead of letting it be this ongoing woulda, coulda, shoulda drama that they sometimes will live out for months, some agents even for years, I suppose. So So, we look at what they could have done, and then i have them make some bullet points.
1: Right, so drilling down, though, okay. So 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 I should have
2: stopped, right? I should have stopped and actually looked at the situation. And then the next question is, can you control anything about it? There's a lot that happens in real estate that it doesn't matter how much you pray to the real estate gods. Things just happen, right? So we always look at is there something that you could have controlled, yes or no? And if there is, because oftentimes there is an action step that maybe the agent didn't do because they were afraid of conflict, because they didn't know what to do. So sometimes analysis paralysis causes them to do nothing. And then so, I ask the tough question, what, what? what didn't you make because of you know stalling out? But go ahead.
1: What I'm hearing you when I'm hearing you do is the first step is basically finding out if if they did anything, if there's any learning op, you know, did they screw something yeah, up sometimes is there something they sometimes need to be did. Res- Yes, <laughs> yeah. and and they need to learn from it so they don't replicate that mistake. That's the first thing I heard mm-hmm. you say. And then if the answer is yes, obviously then well, let's talk about that so that doesn't happen again. And if the answer is no, if it was something totally out of their um out of their, you know, responsibility, somebody else caused Let the incident. Know. Mm-hmm. Let it go. But so what we need to do is, as business people, as entrepreneurs, we need to learn to stop the emotional train from falling off the tracks when we have a bad experience. Bad experiences are normal in any business. The problem is is if you allow those bad experiences to kind of grow into hugely you know, bad days, bad weeks, bad months. So I heard Julie say, basically, the first thing to do is acknowledge the fact that you aren't feeling good right now. Acknowledge the fact that you just had a bad experience. Something just went a little sideways on you. The next step is, is there anything you can proactively do or is there anything you did to cause that experience? And if you did, learn from it. And the third thing I heard Julie say is move on. Don't dwell on it. Don't think about it. Don't fester in it. And the best way to move on, Julie, when someone has an experience that's bad, the best way to get them to move on emotionally is?
2: Take action. And my favorite place to take action is, number one, lead follow-up, and number two is taking after your whether you're a marketer or a prospector, or for most people both, which gets back to lead follow-up. Do something having to do with generating more business, new business. Finish negotiating a short sale, for example. Actually get in and call 100% of your leads from 100% of your lead sources. You know, one of the favorite things that we used to do when we were having one of those days is call and get price reductions. You're already in a rotten mood, right? So you (laughs) might as well get through those calls that you are also dreading. You'll be more direct, you'll close harder, and ultimately your clients will benefit and you'll benefit, too, by having more commissions next month because you did those price reductions. It could but the be – go ahead, sorry.
1: The key of what I'm hearing you say is you get back into action. You have to get yes, back on the back horse. On you, the guys horse. Have heard, you guys have heard all this type of thing before. But making it applicable, making it so you actually apply it. So here's a little thought for you. How many of you have had um, you know, a really bad play at the start of your game, the start of your big game, maybe you're going on a listing appointment, maybe this week you're going to really make it your best week so far this year, whatever your focus is, but then you have some situations occur, your fault or not, it doesn't really matter, how long does it take for you to recover from that sort of emotional gut punch, how long does it take for you to actually get control of yourself, refocus yourself, get back in action so you can get the results that you're after, so for many of us, until we actually become conscious of how we're feeling, so conscious of how we're feeling let's take a little sidestep and talk about that you need to learn how to monitor how you're actually feeling how do you feel right now do you feel happy sad interested scared motivated annoyed how do you feel now here's the next step once you are in the habit of paying attention to how you feel don't judge the feelings where we go wrong when we're trying to understand how to get better results from ourselves is we spend too much time dwelling on how we feel. Why do I feel happy? Why do I feel sad? Why do I feel angry? Or you don't even stop to acknowledge the feeling that you're having. So it starts with you becoming self-aware of your current emotional state. Everyone should be doing that now. The second step is to not judge it. To judge your current emotional state or try to analyze your current emotional state doesn't move you forward it doesn't actually clarify thinking because here's the thing about feelings feelings change the, i bet you your feelings have changed two or three times already in this the few minutes that we've been on today's radio show haven't they so your feelings change what's the lesson in that how you feel right now no matter how happy sad or whatnot you're feeling right now it's going to change might go sideways might you might be happier or sad or who knows but then your feelings will change again who knows where feelings come from, but they most certainly come from the thoughts. And where do the thoughts come from? Absolutely come from your actions. So if you really want to get control of your mindset, ultimately, if you really want to have consistent, long-lasting motivation, the way for you to do it is follow those three simple steps. Become self-aware of how you're feeling. Feelings matter. We're human beings. So that's the first thing. How do I feel? Second step is don't judge. Don't ask yourself why you're feeling that particular way. Don't question the state that you're in. Just become self-aware, almost like you have the observer of your feelings. And the next step is is to really accept the fact that you're feeling that particular way, and it's fine. Don't judge it. Kind of uh, build on uh, the second point. And then get into action. If you're feeling great, use that energy to get into action. If you're feeling not so great, set aside that not-so-great emotion and get into action. And then your emotional state will change yet again. That's the key. This goes back to one of the founding principles, really, that all of you have to have if you're ever planning on being successful long-term in anything in life, is if you're waiting for you to feel a certain way, you will never be successful because your feelings change too often. Your feelings will betray you. Your emotions will betray you. It's the actions, ultimately, that will ultimately really drive the ship in the direction that you want it to go or you won't. So, Julie, can you give any other examples that you can think specifically um, in regards to coaching stories maybe that we're talking about, someone who's learned, one of your coaching clients who's learned that, you know, the emotional ups and downs, the emotional roller coasters that we all experience are just that, roller coasters, and sometimes you're going up and sometimes you're going down?
2: Well, Colette came to mind first, actually, because she's in a very competitive market. She competes very frequently on her listing presentations you know, even the buyer sides, multiple offers, everything's emotional all the time in her market and in her price range. So one of the things that we've worked on is making sure that she maintains control without having the other agent feel like they're being confronted, almost like certain things are their idea. So one of Colette's observations was the in the spirit of cooperation with other agents to not be so adversarial all the time. Some agents get it into their head that negotiating means putting one party at an advantage over the other instead of bringing two parties together to an agreement. So one of the things Colette's gotten really good at is sort of almost coaching the other agent in a nice, non-confrontational way so that she still gets the results she wants for her clients. So before, she would kind of avoid that, didn't like that, almost got into a little bit too much combat with those negotiations. And didn't always win. Now she almost always wins for her client, which I think is fantastic.
1: So, but it's been a learning. So let's, let's understanding this. Let's think about this for a second, Julie. Explain to our listeners why having knowledge of essentially the way of shifting your emotional state. And, you know, using the process that we laid out, how does that give you a competitive advantage in your marketplace? You just mentioned it keeps you – it forces you into a state of having a level head during negotiation. But I would suggest to everyone it goes – because way deeper than that, doesn't it, Julie?
2: It absolutely does. So one of the things you can ask yourself is when you are feeling emotionally on the edge, you know, you're avoiding conflict or you're, woe is me, I can't believe that deal happened, and you're having all of these crazy emotions – Do you feel in control or do you feel out of control? And which would your real estate clients rather see you in, considering they have trusted you with their real estate life, right? So I think that a couple of things help. One is remembering who you represent in the first place and not practicing what we call self-agency. If you always focus on doing what's right for your client or prospect, that takes that emotional notch down a level or two, just keeping in mind what your mission is, right, not making it all about you all the time. Then I remind my coaching clients, when do you feel most in control? When you're calm, when you've thought things out. Oftentimes when we have, they have some kind of conflict that they're avoiding or some drama that's happening, I have them write down, okay, we've got to call the other agent. We've got to call your, your client. We've got to do that price reduction, whatever the case may be. Let's write down three or four things that you want as an outcome for your client on that call. Ideally, what's going to happen for your client? That way you keep the train on the tracks, and it's not this big emotional blowout. When you're in more control, you're going to do a lot better job for your clients, which of course equals referrals, repeat business, happy clients, and more commission checks.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So so really, the per, the agent ultimately who has more control of their emotions, who is at least on the path to becoming self-aware – that agent will be the stronger agent. That will agent will see Absolutely. a competitive advantage. We'll see opportunities where other agents don't do Huge. it. Huge. And this – in this industry, guys, it, the reason that the emotions go all over the place is because there's so many people in the industry. Well, there's a whole host of reasons, but the biggest reason is is because ego creeps into it, because mm-hmm. the deal that you're working with that agent is one of the only, the only deals that agent will be doing the entire year, so it is a big deal to them. But it's mostly because of the fact that we really aren't keeping our emotions on the track. If you can get into your mind, and I realize we're speaking to, you know, over 1,000 people, and if you can get it into your mind that your emotions are going to change on a regular basis, that, frankly, you're going to really, really be powerful over time versus your competitors. So, Julie, moving on, um, Mm -hmm. today we're going to talk about the easy exit listing. Can you let our listeners know what that is, please?
2: Absolutely, one of my favorite things to present because it's such an incredibly powerful listing tool. So, what is the easy exit listing? The easy exit listing is a rider to a normal listing contract, which simply states that if the listing—I'm uh, sorry—if the seller is not happy during the listing at any point, in other words, if you don't do what you said you promised, you know, for whatever reason they're not happy, they can fire you with 30 days' notice. Sometimes we have a cancellation fee. Some agents don't. But basically the bottom line is if they are not happy, they can fire you with 30 days notice. That's it. Easy exit listing, just like it sounds.
1: So we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about all the points. We're going to talk about how to present it. We're going to be giving you guys all the details on the easy exit listing. But I want you all to be very clear in your minds that we're going to – really do our best to frankly convince you to at least seriously consider adding an easy exit listing to part of your business now if you're one of our personal coaching students you can pretty much assume that this is going to be mandatory because it really does give you a huge competitive advantage in the marketplace. So Julie and I have a lot of notes, a lot of points, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the calls, open up the phone lines right now for any of you who want to call in and ask any questions. The phone call or the phone number to call in is 347-857-1195. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to run this... um, Quick commercial and give you guys all the information on how you can contact Julie and I. And then when you come back, we're going to be talking more about the Easy Exit List.
0: You're listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Are you ready to ask Tim and Julie your toughest real estate sales, business, or lead generation question? Call us now at 347-857-1195 or email your question to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. Now, back to Tim and Julie Harris.
1: Okay, guys, so we're back. So what exactly is the Easy Exit le- Listing? An Easy Exit Listing, as Julie said uh, prior to the break, is simply a way for the seller to be in control and to fire you at any time. Now, that sounds scary, doesn't it? But it does. I want you to ask yourself, yeah, it does. I want you to ask yourself, in which situation were you had a seller that was mad at you, would you not release the listing? In California, it's cu- it's become customary. That essentially, even though you might have a six month or a ninety day or a twelve month listing contract, that if the seller gets cranky, I don't know of a broker in California that holds the agent uh, holds the seller no. to the contract. Um, again, even though the contract says one thing, the actions that the brokers take in the event that the seller is cranky are completely different. So, I want all of you to open your minds. If you offered an easy exit listing, and you're sitting in front of the seller, and Julie and I are going to get into very specific how-to's on this idea uh... throughout today's radio show and again we encourage all of you to call in or you can of course email your questions to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com so carrying this concept forward here you are in front of the seller the seller is trying to decide between you and another agent and let's just say the seller is not a hundred percent confident on if they want to hire you or someone else mr. seller listen i appreciate the fact that this is a big decision and really frankly you are um, comparing me against a couple of very very good agents but I want you to know that if for any reason you're not 100% satisfied with the services that I'm providing, in other words, Mr. Seller, you signed the listing contract with me this evening, right now, and if for any reason you're not 100% satisfied with the services I'm providing, you can fire me with no strings attached. Now, Mr. Seller, I want you to ask yourself, those other agents, they could have very well come in here, promised you the star, the moon, and the universe, promised you they're going to do all this marketing and advertising, promised you, promised you, promised you, promised you and then as soon as the listing contract is signed then what you have nothing really to hold them accountable to whether or not they're going to do a single thing that they said mr seller did you read the listing contract the listing contract is extremely one-sided protecting the broker's rights and interests not yours so i want you to consider mr seller if you list with my competitor then guess what they are going to be in control if you list with me when you list with me you're going to be in control which is better for you
2: what a great close right
1: if you were on the fence before about using an easy exit listing, and I bet you now you at least seriously consider offering it, the concept, again, is you're leaving the sellers in a position where they're in control. Now, again, before we get to the details, I like to kind of place, for those of you who are wanting the heart of the content right now, I'm just going to give it to you. You'll never use it because your sellers will never fire you. This really would – no, they can, and if they choose to use it, they can fire you, and there will be no strings attached, especially if you use it like Julie and I are about to describe to you. But the reality of it is, is what this is, is a way of showing confidence, a way of showing that you are going to do what you promise. It's a way, and this is really what matters most, of standing way above your competition and making it so that they really are, you know, why is it that they're not offering an easy exit listing? It puts doubts, it casts shadows on your competitors. Some of you don't like that. Oh, Tim, this is supposed to be a cooperative industry. This is supposed to be something where we all get along and sing kumbaya. Yeah, right, okay?
0: Blah, blah, when you're blah. learning
1: how to <laughs> – yeah, blah, 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 exactly. You're a business owner. You're an entrepreneur. It is your job to have competitive advantages in, in a legal, ethical manner, and this is a killer way to really stand above the competition. So, Julie, what's the next point?
2: Well, so in the eyes of the homeowner, because that's who we've always got to focus on, and by the way, that's a big coaching lesson for being a great listing agent. When you explicitly focus on the homeowner's needs, they can definitely tell a difference between an agent that is all about themselves and just using a standard boilerplate cookie-cutter contract versus doing something that actually benefits the seller. So what does it show them? I mean, think about the accountability of that, right? If you know that you can get fired, which, I mean, for being honest, especially west of the Mississippi, people know that anyway, we're just using this as a tool and putting it out front. It shows that you're confident that you would even offer this. It shows that you're accountable to what you promised when you're in front of that seller. It shows that you're trustworthy. It shows that you follow through. You do what you promise because you know Virtually every day of that listing till it's sold and closed, you're applying for the job of keeping that listing. What message does that send to the seller? Well, well that's I'm the alternative guessing, script. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the agent for that's me, somebody al- I can hold accountable.
1: Well, that's the alternative script, right? I mean, that's the other way of presenting it. Julie just almost said it, essentially. Mr. Seller, I am applying for the job of selling your home, and the difference between me and my competitors is I'm, a, I'm reapplying every single day whereas they will get you to sign the contract and they'll just take your business for granted right which is you better guys can you guys could be as you could be exactly which is better for you you can be as aggressive with this approach as you'd like but really the moral of the story with all this is that this is a really really wonderful way to set yourself apart above your competition in a very profound lasting way Now, Julie, let's get into more of the particulars of it. What's next on our notes for today?
2: Well, so why wouldn't an agent want to offer this? Let's look at the other side because, of course, we're a very pro-agent. This is who our clients are. We're a coaching business. So let's look at it from the agent's standpoint. If somebody said, oh, that's not for me, why wouldn't you want to offer the easy exit listing?
1: I can think of an obvious answer. What's that? Because you're not planning on doing what you promised you're going to (laughs) do.
2: Ouch. That's painful. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't like the accountability.
1: Right. I mean, that's the answer, right? If you're not planning, if you know you're full of it and you're not going to do what you promise, you're going to do, uh, yeah, you don't want to offer it because you know the seller is going to fire you.
2: Yeah. I mean, really, that's yeah. the well, bottom line. That's kind of a bigger issue, isn't it? Maybe we need to improve <laughs> the skills and what you actually do to sell a listing.
1: Well, you know, exactly. That's, Maybe that's you should be more careful. That's a care-
2: bigger issue. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, so that'd be the first reason you wouldn't want to actually use the AZ exit listing because you don't want the seller to be in control because you don't want to be held accountable for the things that you know you're not going to do. Hey, that's a thought, isn't it? So, well, what would be another how reason? Shows curious about
2: your business, but okay. Yeah, so, so, another what would reason my fear. Yeah, maybe they're afraid that their prospects uh, will take advantage of them. And, and we you know, had that happen it once. For no good reason. Yeah, we did. We, we had did that once. happen
1: once. Yes, we had once. And all the, you know, I don't know, thousands of thousands. houses that we sold, and I remember it because it only happened How once, it was so weird. <laughs> it was, a, it was a for sale Sorry. by owner. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it was a for sale by owner. Well, you want to tell the story, Julie?
2: I, I think we're remembering the same one. I what in I, remember, Gahanna. I remember. Yeah. Okay, so it's the same one in Gehanna. And <laughs> another agent I think called and said, "Are you aware of what the seller has attached to your home brochure on your real estate sign?" And we said, no, tell us, you know, do tell. And they said, well, they've got this flyer that basically says, cut your agent out, I'll cut mine out, and we'll do a deal together. (laughs) On the brochure. Now, I'll tell you what else I remember about that guy. I remember that when we pulled up to his house on an appointment, he was the guy that walked out and looked at, we had a BMW truck at the time, and his comment was, good, had you driven anything else, I wouldn't have let you in the door. So he was kind of a crank to begin with. He was also a yeah. little bit out of our normal stomping ground. so we maybe a little bit asked for that, but out of thousands of transactions, that's not such a bad ratio. I'm willing to live with that. Yeah,
1: but he was weirdo. I mean, if we're being honest, he was a little probably
2: didn't want to deal him, with him anyway. Right.
1: Well, so what did we do when we found out he was doing that? We called him up and Come we on. fired him.
2: He's yeah, to we listen. did. works both ways, buddy.
1: That's right. And you know what? That's another way to approach it when you're talking with the sellers And it's a nice little spin on it. You say, Mr. Seller, if for any reason that, you know, I don't think it's working out from our perspective, if I think it might be best that we, you know, part company, we part company as friends, the easy exit listing applies to my ability to cancel the listing as well. Which, you know, I wouldn't say that very often, but it certainly is a nice little way to spin around the situation if you have sellers like the one we just described to you. Mm -hmm. So, guys, another reason... Well, go ahead. So another reason why you wouldn't want to use the easy exit listing is, frankly, so what did we talk about? You don't trust your sellers. You don't trust yourself. In other words, you don't trust that you're going to do what you promised you're going to do. And So as a result of that, you're fearful that the seller actually might say, hey, you know, so-and-so didn't do what they said they were going to do. I'm going to fire them. Okay, so what would be another reason, Julie, why they wouldn't want to use the easy exit listing?
2: Well, I suppose they might, as an agent, they might feel that the buyer goes around you or the seller goes around you, and, you know, kind of like our story was. My thought for that is if you start to get the willies about your client and you think that they're going to act like that, you might want to reconsider the listing from the get-go anyway and ask more questions.
1: Well, that's right. But, you know, the truth is that can happen anyway. That can well, happen anyway, absolutely,
2: it? Uh, yeah. I mean, not the right. right, exactly. Not just because you offered an easy exit listing. If a seller is going to act that way, it probably has nothing to do with you. That's just how they are. So, so I don't there think it, it has is. Directly to do with it. Yep. Now, so in the eyes,
1: now Let's really put this. Let's kind of like round the bend on this. So we talked about basically how it works. We talked about basically why an agent wouldn't want to offer it. So, Julie, let's move on to the next. Next phase here. Let's think about how offering an easy exit listing, we touched on a lot of these points, but they're worth drilling down on, how an easy exit listing will really help an agent, a new agent, a seasoned agent, doesn't matter, how it can help an agent really stand above their competition. So, so how does an easy exit listing, when you're coaching one of your coaching clients to use the easy exit listing, tell me exactly, Julie, how does that actually help them in their, in their quest to take more listings?
2: Well, I think one of the biggest issues agents have when they're working on taking more listings is being able to answer the simple question from a seller, what makes you different?
1: The simple and and yet scary, right? And
2: yet scary, because I use that on coaching calls all the time with my clients that I say, I just put them on the spot out of the blue. So I'm I'm a listing that you really, really want. It's in the neighborhood you love. It's a price range that you know will sell, won't be a problem. But you're competing, and the seller asks you, so... What makes you so different? Why should I list with you versus Bob at Remax and Betty at Century 21? Why should I choose you versus your competition? And usually, you know, the best agents have a sort of an elevator elevator speech thought out that takes them maybe a minute, two minutes tops, and they hit the bullet points, like the easy exit listing, for example. But probably 95% of agents out there have a little bit of a Scooby-Doo moment. Oh, huh? <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and then they, you know, the, the worst agents I think just kind of BS their way out of that. And they always say the same thing: Well, I'm going to expose your property online, and I'm going to, you know, market to all of my friends and my center of influence, and I'm going to prospect and stuff that doesn't really make sense to the seller. And this is but one you, of the you're... reasons that sellers ask you to do things like open houses because they don't know what else to ask you for. They don't know what makes you different. Go ahead.
1: Julie, doesn't this question isn't this the very question that keeps so many agents from actually learning how to be listing agents?
2: Because I it's it that is. very yeah.
1: yes, it's that very question, what makes you different? It's that very question that creates such a huge remember we were talking about emotions at the top of this call. We we're talking about this emo, emotions, we were talking about how to be introspective, we were talking about how to move forward and not allowing your emotions to determine your results. Remember we talked about all that? See how it's all mm-hmm. tying in, guys? So I would suggest that the reason that many of you aren't fully embracing the idea of being a listing agent primarily and a buyer's agent secondarily is because you are living in fear of the question, what makes you different? And you have nothing that makes you different. Truthfully, you should be living in fear of that question because that question will kick your butt. That's the truth you can 't say i 've listed and sold a thousand houses you can 't say i 've sold ten houses in your neighborhood to you know you can 't say that you have this vast, deep well of experience in most cases. I would venture a guess, or those of you who are seasoned veterans who do have a huge you know, portfolio of closed transactions, you have to also be thinking about all the new agents that we see coming into the industry, many of which I would guess based on frankly the, the demographics of the ones I 've seen enroll. At our university just in the past, I'd say, six months, the average new agent coming into business is definitely older fifty, older than 50. Mm-hmm. The average agent coming into business definitely has an advanced degree. Um, I'm seeing lots of MBAs when we've done partial surveys of our roster. I'm seeing lots of people that have had executive experience. I'm seeing lots of people. We have an people. honest-to-God
2: rocket scientist, you know. Did
1: yeah, you know well, that? I'm sure we have more than one. But the, <laughs> I the moral know. I of the thought they is, it up, it,
2: but it's for real, Yeah.
1: The types of people that are getting into the industry now, they're not the types that were in the industry, frankly, when Julie and I were selling real estate. When we were selling real estate, that was still sort of the 1970s, 80s, you know, kind of, I don't know, non-career-minded types. And what we're seeing Mm -hmm. nowadays is folks that have their heads screwed on straight, folks that think like business people, folks that, frankly, are, you know, hey, I'm here to help others, but guess what? I'm going to make some money. Tell me how to do it. Give me a system to follow, and I'll do it. Not a lot of the part-timers sort of, you know, frankly, people that never took the business very seriously, so the business never took them seriously types. So it's shifting. So even if you have been very successful for a long period of time, you sure as heck better be adapting, or your market's going to essentially turn on you, and it'll be within a blink of an eye that you'll go from a dominant position in your marketplace to, you know, frankly having to compete with somebody who just got their license, but they have a better jib-jab than you. They have a better listing presentation. They have more compelling reasons why the seller list with them opposed to you, even though you feel entitled to the business. Uh-oh, there's the word, mm. entitled. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Even though you feel entitled to the business, you think it should come your way because you've been the number one agent in your marketplace for so long. And then all of a sudden you see some new agent or newish agent getting listings that you are entitled to, what do most agents mm-hmm. that are top producers do? Is they just get pissed off, they get mad, yep. they don't try they to change. Break get emotional. That's They're right. actually address the issue. Again, with the emotions. Whereas the reality of it is the agents that are getting the advantage, the advantage uh, will always go to the agents that are willing to adapt to the needs and the desires of their clients. So here is the thought for all of you. The easy exit listing is one of the easiest ways to answer completely, satisfy the seller's question about what makes you different. That will make you different. That will make you seem more confident. When a seller asks you, Mr. Seller or Mr. Yeah, listing Agent, why should I list with you? Well, Mr. Seller, one of the main reasons is, is because you're always in control. Use the scripts that we gave earlier on the call. It also an easy exit listing. Also, it's going to make it so you seem more trustworthy. It makes it so you seem you are more confident. So guess what? You sound more confident. Otherwise. Why would you be offering an easy exit listing? An easy exit listing also is going to make it so that you not only sound more confident and trustworthy, but in the backs of their minds, they're thinking of themselves. And this is, frankly, I think an advantage Julie and I always, has always had when we sold real estate, was the simple fact that, you know what, these guys are, you know, they're different. They're willing to think outside of the box. I, this is the seller's thinking, right, had to think outside of the box, and I have to think outside of the box every day in my career and my industry is under, under a sort of a you know, an evolutionary challenge right now, as all industries are, because of the nature of the economy and whatnot. And I appreciate the fact that Tim and Julie are also trying to evolve and make themselves better, whereas everyone else I talk with, you know, aside from their individual personalities, all seem to say and do the same things, and these guys are different. Just the very fact that we were willing to do things differently earned us hundreds of listings. And that is the truth. I mean, Julie, you remember sellers saying that yeah. to us, correct?
2: I know, and I was going to ask you, Tim, from an agent standpoint, would you recommend that they use the easy exit every time, or just in specific situations?
1: Every time, I would use it every time. I would have it become a permanent part, you know, our pre-listing pack that our coaching clients get, and all of you who are coaching clients that are listening, you sure as heck better be using it, using the scripts, using exactly like we, you know, present it to you to present to the sellers. So don't change it, don't modify it. You can personalize it, but don't change it. Don't make it so that you're taking off the edge because it does give you that competitive advantage. And you want to be offering the same exact high level of service, the exact same level of guarantees to every single client you come across, not just the occasional one that, you know, maybe you feel this you, to get this FISBO you have to offer the easy exit. Offer it to everyone statistically what's going to happen you're going to price the house right you're going to market the heck out of it it's going to sell you're going to get paid no one's going to be firing anybody that's the reality of how it's going to work but you your main focus has to be to get the listing think about it when you're talking to that for sale by owner thinking about it when you're talking about talking to that expired who feels like they've been essentially lied to by their previous agent think about it when you're talking to the builder Think about it when you're talking to the house flipper who's been through a bunch of different agents and never been happy with any of them, telling them that, Mr. Seller, listen, because of my easy exit listing, you're always in control. I am confident, 100% confident that I can get this property sold, and you'll be thrilled with everything that I do to get it sold, and you'll be 100% satisfied, thrilled beyond belief with the check I hand you at closing, and if not, Mr. Seller, you can fire me. So after the little break that we're going to about to take, we're going to talk about the stipulations that you're going to put into your easy exit listing to make sure, frankly, you don't do this incorrectly and end up on the short end of the stick. So there's some legal things and some other things we're going to talk about after the break, and we'll be back in about a minute.
0: Everyone knows that real estate coaching can be expensive. Most coaching companies charge $1,000 a month and demand that you sign a long-term, ball-and-chain 12-month contract. But what if there was a proven system that gave you the essentials to almost guarantee your real estate success? The marketing and lead generation systems, centers of influence and past client systems, business systems, scripts, and presentations, everything you need to dominate your real estate market. Real Estate Coaching Essentials is that system, and it's affordable for every agent who's ready to take their business to the next level. For a limited time, Tim and Julie Harris are offering this award-winning program for only 197 a month. You can enroll right now and receive the first seven days for free. That's right. Enroll today and take the next seven days to have complete access to everything you need to build a successful real estate business. Get started today at agentcoachingsecrets.com. Again, that's agentcoachingsecrets.com.
1: Okay, we are back. So, Julie, let's dig in deep and let's really talk about the easy exit listing stipulations. Everyone, take really good notes on this because these are mostly things that we had to learn from making mistakes. And, you know, a smart man learns from his mistakes, a brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. So, let's talk about the easy exit listing what small print or what not do you put on the easy exit listing and the answer is virtually none you don't That's want to right. have. You a want to keep of it dip- simple because it is simple and, and really the idea here again is that you're showing confidence and if you basically give them the easy exit listing uh, our coaching students just use it exactly how we've written it the page has already been created for you you don't have to modify any of it so but let's dig in a little bit a lot of you virtually all of you in your MLSs, have an automatic contract extension so in the event that the contract, listing contract, were to expire or to be canceled, which is what we're talking about if the seller were to choose to exercise the easy exit listing, that it's automatically extended to protect the broker from any potential contracts that might come in from buyers um, or brokers that showed properties during the time of the listing contract. And you know, just for the sake of those of you who don't know that or you don't have that in your listing contracts, which I suppose is possible, Again, the concept is you have the property listed for six months, and during that time you generate a buyer. Maybe the buyer's even through a co-op, a buyer's agent. In that particular case, if that buyer's agent were to bring that same buyer back and purchase the property, your commission as a listing agent would still be protected because of the fact that you had that automatic contract extension um, signed and agreed to just for the sake of those particular uh, buyers. Now, in your easy exit listing, you want to have something like that Written in, or at least have that clearly understood by the seller, because in the event that you get some hairball seller like we got that guy in Gehanna, Ohio, who decided he was going to be crafty and try to cut us out, you know, that happened once and the thousands of times we offered it, the easy exit listing that is. So, you know, you write something on the contract or you just essentially uh, emphasize to the seller at the time of listing the property that in the event that I were to bring or another buyer's agent were to bring or really a a buyer were to come through during an open house while I have the property listed during this time and they were to end up purchasing the property either while I had it listed or or afterwards, our listing contract would be protected and just make it really clear to them. Now, what does that do? For the occasional, maybe random that you have or your broker might have when you're trying to explain to them why you want to use this concept that, okay, well, what happens if, for example, the seller and the buyer happen to meet up and say, you know, well, let's just cut out our listing agents. Well, you have the contract written in such a way that they can still exercise their easy exit listing, but they can't somehow make it so that you're not protected on the work that you already did. Julie, did I explain that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. 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 So you are protected, but you don't want to overword this, right? I mean, it's basically embedded in your listing contracts anyway for the most part.
1: Mostly. But I've
2: I've seen agents take this easy exit listing and try to make it better and more elaborate and more legal sounding. So first of all, you have to be careful about that. Your license says that you're not allowed to play attorney, so please don't try and do that. Just keep it very, very simple. And again, if for some reason you get a hairball seller, you're probably going to cut them loose anyway and be done with them. Hopefully you will have seen that coming and not taken the listing in the first place. So I like to operate in a place of abundance, that this is going to work out 99.999% of the time instead of trying to overwrite uh, a special thing that's trying to be overprotective. I'd rather say, you know what, keep it simple. The purpose of this is if for some crazy reason I come in here and promise you the world and I don't follow through, that you can hold me accountable. That's the purpose of the easy exit listing, really nothing else.
1: Now another stipulation is I would have on our easy exit listings that the seller had to give you um, either 24 or 48 hour notice, whatever you wanted. We even had for a while, and again, no one ever exercised it. So what difference does it make that they had to give us five day notice? Now, well, why do you 30 want a walk... notice
2: one as well?
1: Yeah, Go we ahead. did. We did do that, didn't we? We did a 30 day Fine. notice too. We experimented with it. Again, Julie and I learned from actually doing opposed to learn from just guessing. And we experimented with different things, and sometimes people would have issue with the 30-day, so we might cut it down to a week or whatever. So the idea is that maybe a seller has a bad day. Maybe they have a bad day at work, someone cuts them off, who knows what. And then they're wanting to take it out on somebody, so they call you or email you, and they go off on you and they fire you. Okay? Well, I mean, if you don't have some sort of cooling off period, the five-day written right. notice or the you know 30-day, whatever, however you want to do it, then that might be it. But the way to do it, essentially, is if you give yourself, you know, I would personally at least 48 hours, but 48 hours could be over the weekend. 48 hours could be over the holiday. 48 hours could be while you're on a vacation. So what Julie said probably makes the most sense. Have a 30-day written release. That's how most contracts work. And then you will more than happy to release the contract. And in that time, you have 30 days to re-win the seller, you have 30 days to really reinstill that contract, that relationship, to make it so that that um, agent – or, I'm sorry, make it so that seller will, you know, essentially recommit to you and you to them. Now, another little concept here is there is um, – everyone knows, hopefully, what sign-crossing is, and that's basically when you have a property listed and some of their agents solicits that seller for the sake of, obviously, getting the listing from you and getting them to list it uh, with you. Now, we did have – or with them. We did have, on three or four separate occasions – were really sleeveball ball agents. Were essentially soliciting our sellers directly. When they learned that we had easy exit listings, they thought, "Aha! Well, I'll just go after Tim and Julie's mm-hmm. listings because I know if I, you know, cut the commission and do all these other, you know, false promises that they can fire Tim and Julie, and that'll be that." Well, not really, because at the time, I think, like Julie said, we had a 30 day window in there. So it didn't work out that way. So seller calls up and says, "I want to, you know, fire you guys." Though I can't, I don't honestly remember this ever happening. We were told that the uh, these agents, we were told that this was happening. I remember one particular condo development in Dublin, Ohio, where there, you know, I'm talking about again, Julie, Mm -hmm. where there was this entrenched (laughs) agent, where there was this entrenched agent who'd been there forever, who felt entitled to all the listings. And Julie and I started going in there and taking business, taking listings, selling houses. And within like 90 days, we had virtually – it was going into the spring. We essentially had all the spring inventory. Well, of course, he was entitled, and somehow we must have done something wrong and unethical. So this guy literally started door-knocking our listed properties. Yeah, not cool. That's what he did. And they told us because – guess what? They listed with us because they had long gotten sick of this guy because of his attitude and were frankly, really happy that we were, you know, offering our services in their little condo development and that's the reason we were able to take business that and hopefully because we did a great job we were able to take listings in business so quick. So again, the concept here, guys, is your fears can be mitigated through having a breather clause or a cooling off period, be it, you know, 48 hours or 30 days, so they can't just you on a whim. So right. get well, that so concept in your mind. Right. Well, let's talk about that
2: mind. for a second. Because on the off chance that a seller would call and say, hey, I want to exercise my easy exit listing, you know, even then I don't want you to just say, okay, bye-bye. I want you to ask questions. I'm curious, why have you decided to utilize the easy exit listing? You know, maybe that's the best choice, but let's talk about that. And to your point, Tim, maybe they just had a crappy day at work. Maybe it's something that some other agent is trying to stir up with you. of the time, you're going to resolve it, you're going to stick in contract, you're still going to have that listing, you're going to be fine. But you know, this encourages conversation if the seller were having some weird thoughts, at least they're going to bring it up with you instead of say calling your broker and saying, you know, get rid of this guy, right? So I think it's good for the relationship with the seller to just know that they can hold you accountable. And that said, if that were to occur, don't just say, all right, fine, bye-bye ask good questions, fix the issue. That's why you have a 7-day or a 30-day cooling-off period, as you said. I think that's a wise idea. And you don't have to have a bunch of legalese. You can just have a little asterisk at the bottom that says 30-day notice required, 7-day notice required, 10-day, whatever you're comfortable with.
1: Now, so we were also for a while charging, um, putting on the easy exit listing, a $495 cancellation fee. But because we never had anyone exercise the cancellation fee, In other words, no one ever asked for the easy exit listing, so we never asked anyone to pay the cancellation fee. We never had to actually charge it so we stopped putting it on the contract. Why do I mention it? Because I guarantee you that some of you right now are thinking that you're going to put a cancellation fee on your easy exit listings, and it's going to discourage the seller from firing you. Now, I know some top producing agents do just that. They'll put a cancellation uh, fee on, you know, if the listing were to, you know, be canceled by the seller prior to this date, da, 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 they'll have to pay 500 bucks or 1000 bucks or 2000 bucks. Guys, I think it's tacky, to be honest with you. It's kind of disingenuous, and it kind of flies in the face of the whole concept of ease and the exit listing. Let's just say you did legitimately screw up, and you didn't do what you promised you were going to do, and the seller does want to rightfully fire you because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. You didn't deliver on the promises that you made, and now you're going to kick them in the you-know-what and charge them money. It just doesn't make any sense.
0: Well,
2: and good luck really, enforcing for, that anyway. How are you going to follow through on that? The whole thing's is stupid, really, you, I, it, it, <laughs> you know What are you going to do? Are you going to show up at their house and ask for their checkbook? I think not.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, guys, you got to kind of think these things through. And, and, again, this goes back to just basically thinking like a business owner and not thinking so much like a salesperson. A business owner is mm-hmm. going to be thinking big picture. A business owner is going to be thinking about future opportunity. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with some closing thoughts.
0: Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Are you ready to ask Tim and Julie your toughest real estate sales, business, or lead generation question? Call us now at 347-857-1195 or email your question to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. Now, back to Tim and Julie Harris.
1: All right, so Julie, you and I were just talking off-air during the commercial, and you had some great ideas to share. Uh, So go ahead and share with our listeners what you sent to me.
2: Sure. So when is the right time to present the Easy Exit listing? Well, when we did it, it was towards the end of the presentation after you have discussed price, what you're going to actually do. So you've talked about your listing plan of action, your bullet points of what you're promising. You have used what we call the Sharpie close, which we'll save for another call, But you're basically getting ready to close for the signature. So that's the ideal spot because what you're doing is you're removing that objection, right? So, you know, where's the risk to the seller in listing with you tonight? It's a great close during the presentation. And you and I always have the goal of taking the listing on one presentation. Some agents go on a two-stop. And there's a whole art to this that we teach in our coaching program specifically about becoming a listing agent you know, there is an art to this. Where where should you be in the appointment lineup? Well, let's say, for example, that you were one of three agents that they were interviewing. So if you go first, you're not in closing position. Sometimes that's unavoidable. So you can use the easy exit listing on a follow-up phone call or on your second appointment, if you're a two-stop agent, as the close at that point. You can use it... Um, you know, again, for maybe you send a thank you card and you send them a copy of that just to drive it home. So there's many different places you can use this. Ideally, it's at the end of your listing appointment where you're trying to take it on a one-stop, but you can use it as a follow-up as well.
1: Well, Julie, you said something interesting on break. You said, let's say, you're getting down to it, you're sitting in front of the seller, the seller's in their mind saying, well, you know, Sellers come up sometimes with random excuses why they're not signing the contract while you're there, and one of them, a typical one is, well, I want to interview another agent, or I, you know, right. I want to talk with you know, whatever afterwards. You could say simply, Mr. Seller, the fact is is that when you sign your listing contract with me, when we move forward to do business this evening and you hire me for the job of selling your home, remember, if for any reason you're not 100% satisfied with the services I'm providing, you can fire me with no strings attached. That is confidence-inspiring. That is like the seller going, well, I have nothing to lose because they don't. By the way, guys, we practice what we preach in our coaching business, and we haven't actively sold real estate for over 10 years. We've been coaching agents full-time for at least a decade now and coached agents part-time since the late 90s. But the reality of it is in our own coaching business, guess what? We're practicing what we preach Because none of our coaching students are asked to sign a contract, and all of our competitors, every single person out there who's also selling, let's let's acknowledge maybe we have three or four. Um, I would say coaching companies that we sort of compete with. I only say sort of because really rarely do we ever have an agent call us up and say, I'm comparing you to this company and that company. It's just generally I heard you guys on the radio or I've been following you guys for a long time or I've been involved with you guys for a long time and ready to you know sign up for Real Estate Coaching Essentials or hire one of your coaches to be my personal coach. Something along those lines is how generally our coaching relationships are formed. But let's say there is somebody that's competing, that's comparing us to whomever. It's simply a matter of us stating, "Hey, guess what? They're going to ask you to sign a twelve-month contract, and we're not." So you know, what yeah. Well, look at the st-
2: accountability of that, right? Here's your I eyes look at it. If you are in this never-ending contract where it doesn't even matter if they show up to a coaching call or not, the contract protects that company. Where is the accountability in that? I just don't understand that at all, right? I mean, there's even one of the coaching companies requires that the clients schedule their own coaching calls, right? So there's a lot of right. weirdness with that to me. For us, we practice what we preach. This is what we have passion for. This is what we do. So I'm not worried about the accountability because I know the quality of our coaching is what it is, right? So that the buck stops with us. Why would I need a contract if I know that what we deliver is, you know, exactly what you're looking for and gives you those benefits? It well, doesn't so. even cross my mind.
1: So, guys, here's the thought. Are you offering that same level of confidence to your prospective clients? I bet you're not.
2: And if I mean, not, you why thought, not?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you were to, how much more confident would you feel, getting back to emotions, guys, how much more confident would you feel picking up the phone right now making a really aggressive lead follow-up call using one of our scripts or calling an expired or a for sale by owner or calling a center of influence or past clients or going to that business networking meeting and actually being a little bit more bold, being less of a secret agent and actually going there with the intent of making real estate-related relationships. Guys, think about that concept. Just this one simple radio show, the one simple concept of the easy exit listing. A little interesting question for you. How much more confident do you feel how much more confident would you feel, hey, how much more confident will you feel when you adapt to your business the concepts that we're presenting to you every single day from noon till 1 p.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Central here on Real Estate Coaching Radio. It's an interesting idea, isn't it, guys? These little ideas, the, these little concepts, the time that we're setting aside every day in our crazy business busy schedules, our total focus is to help you move your business forward, Remember, guys, here's an interesting concept again. We're talking a lot about interesting concepts. I realize I've probably said that too many times, but it's true. I realize that we're presenting this information for the first time to many of you. When somebody has a real estate – when somebody asks you what your – if you owned a pie business and someone asked you what your product was, you'd say, great pies. If somebody asked, you know, McDonald's, what's their product, they might say, great hamburgers. Or if somebody asked a dry cleaner, what's their service, they'd say, hey, great, really great job on dry cleaning. As a real estate practitioner, if I were to ask you that question, many of you would say happy clients, listings, all those types of con- uh, you know, non-committal kind of Mickey Mouse answers. In real estate, because we don't have a product per se, because we are in 100% of a service business, your true product, guys, is profit. The surefire telltale what, uh, indicator of whether or not you're running a successful business is the profit you produce not your happy clients. Because if you have happy clients but no profit, then you're out of business. Think about that. Profit, the amount of money you put in your pocket after you pay your taxes, after your broker gets their split, after you pay your business and coaching overhead, after you pay all your fixed costs, the profit that you are holding in your hand, the profit that you can reinvest, the profit that will make you financially independent, the profit that will eventually create True, lasting financial freedom for you, which is what at the heart of what everyone wants, ultimately. That's the reason they take the risk of being a business owner. That comes from the mindset of, my product as a real estate practitioner is profit. Please don't confuse that. Don't wrestle in your mind with it. Don't have any sort of spiritual, political debate with it. Just now, understand. I'm
2: not in it for the money.
1: I'm Love not motivated get out by that. Then get out of the business, honestly. Get out of the business. You're clouding it up for other people. You I'm are. Sure, though. No. Yeah, I know. A lot of people say that. So stay focused on what your product is as profit. But the profit only will come, think about this, for those of you who are conflicted about it, You the, again, if you are a great practitioner of real estate, if you are fantastic at helping folks buy or, buy and sell homes, if you use the concepts that we're presenting to you during our radio show and our coaching students, if you actually follow through and do the coach and do what we ask you to do as as a coaching client, you will make lots of profit. You only make lots of profit because you're making lots of people happy. The reason other people have money, have had experiences, have lifestyles, have things, have whatever that you might not is because they have figured out how to help more people at a high level than you have. That's it. Don't be jealous of them. Acknowledge the fact that they've figured out a way through producing something, a service or an actual tangible product that a lot of people are willing to pay their good money for. And that's something you need to embrace. That's the concept that you need to have. And then the profit follows. Please don't be suckered into doing what you're passionate about, and then the money will follow. That's a bunch of BS. It just is. You might luck out and be a, you know, you're happy. The the thing that makes you happiest in the world is making pots. You know, not the legal kind like Colorado now, but I'm talking about pastas and pottery.
2: Okay,
1: and right, so now we that have to be might. Make, that. I know that might make you happy. That's fine, um, but don't expect it to make you rich. Don't expect it to produce the financial windfalls that you need, the profit that you need to have a true spirit of independence and freedom. So many of you get into industries, get into the real estate industry, thinking, "Well, I have to be passionate about what I'm doing in order to, you know, really." Uh, to frankly, to be successful, and then you're not passionate about it and you're not successful. Hey, stop trying to be passionate about it. Just do a really great job. So, Julie, we've got a to wrap. Tomorrow's concept is going to be really exciting. I hope all of you are going to tune in again and listen. Do me a favor. Your homework, whether you're a student or not, is I want you to right now send a replay or let, uh, let at least ten other agents know, and you've got them in your email right now, blog about it, Facebook about it, tweet about it our radio show. Help us expand our listenership. Right now we have 1,000 study listeners. It's our goal by the end of this month to get it up to 5,000. So help us do that. Get the word out. Help us help you help other people. In the meantime, we'll talk with you tomorrow and have a fantastic rest of your day.
2: See you then.